Well, what's up, church? We are in our series called Christian Atheists, and this series is really uh, built off the idea that uh, most of us in this room, we all call ourselves Christians. Now, maybe it's not every single person in this room, but most of us, right, we at least claim to be a Christian. Now, let me just point out real quick, claiming to be a Christian and being a Christian are two different things. Okay, we all understand that? Like, we all get that? Okay, just because we say, oh, yeah, I'm good with God doesn't mean that you're actually good with God. Um, just because you say you have a relationship with God does not mean you've actually at one point in your life given your life over uh, to God. And so um, those are two different things. But we, at least most of us in this room, we claim to be a Christian, but we actually live our life like an atheist in certain areas of our life. And we've talked about some of those areas in our life. Uh, we've, uh, we've talked about uh, anger. Um, last week we talked about fear. And today what we're going to do is we're going to kind of take a bird's eye view of the Bible as a whole. And uh, we're going to look at the biggest way that we do this, which is simply in our lack of obedience to God. All right, now, we struggle with obedience since the beginning, okay? Just ask your parents, or if you could ask your parents, I'm sure they would 100% agree with that. Uh, you as parents, you know this with your own kids. I mean, uh, one of the first words that your kids learn is the word no, All right? Who taught your kid that? Uh, they just know. Like, it's just like they, they, just, they just learn to do that kind of on their own. And now we as parents, what's interesting is that we have turned into our parents. By the way, something that probably every single person in this room have promised and vowed to ourselves that we would never do. Um, we have actually done that. Um, uh, remember when your parents would make you do something that you didn't want to do? Okay, remember when that would happen? Okay, we're all, all right. Um, and uh, something like, uh, like my mom would say, hey, you need to go make your bed, you know? That's not something any kid, like, looks forward, oh, I can't wait to wake up in the morning so I can go make my bed. Like, nobody, nobody thinks that way and nobody does that. And so, like, my mom would tell me, hey, you need to go make your bed. And I'm just like, why? Like, what's the point of that? Because it's just going to get messed up later. You know what I mean? Like, it's only going to last for a few hours. Then I'm going to go back to bed and it's going to get all messed up. It makes no sense. It seems like a big waste of time. Mom, I need some evidence to why I need to do this. I need some really, really good reasons why. And you know what my mom would say? Yeah, super annoying, you know, because I said so. And as a kid, when you're sitting there and she tells you that, you know what you're thinking? I mean, this is how we're all, we're just like, well, that's just poor parenting, you know? <laughs> like, that's not a good reason. And as a kid, you're like, well, you know, I'm not going to be like my parents at all because when I grow up and I have kids, I'm going to build a relationship with these kids. I'm going to nurture my kids. And I'm going to explain why. And we're going to sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one discussion about why we're going to do what I'm asking them to do. And I'm going to allow them to voice their concerns. And it's going to be equal conversation. I'm going to talk to them about what I want them to do. And then I'm going to talk to them about why I want them to do it. And then you grow up, you have kids, and you tell your kids to do something. They say, why, Dad? And what do you say? Because I said so. Just because it's so much easier, you know? Do the same thing. See, I think that's part of the reason why we find it so hard to obey is that we feel like God owes us an explanation. Like, I don't know where we get that from. It's just like how, uh, maybe just how we're wired uh, naturally. It's like we feel like we need to completely understand the why first. It's like, it's like we're kids again. And um, God's our authority, and our authority tells us how to live, and our authority tells us what to do, and we're just like, but why? Why do we have to do that? That doesn't make any sense. It's like we hear how God expects us to live our life, and how do we hear that? Well, we hear that the, the main way, well, the only way, really, is, is by reading our Bible. Um, when we come here on Sunday mornings, we read the Bible, and uh, you should be reading your Bible on your own. And we don't naturally change, and we don't naturally want to obey. What we naturally want to do is push back 
Why? I don't get it. Give me some reasons, God. Why is this wrong? Why don't you like this? Why should I live my life this way? But what about this? Did you take into account my particular situation or my particular circumstance? Hey, God, what if this happens? What do you want, to, what do you want me to do? We just, we just ask that. We push back all the time. But why? But as Christians, we should be obeying whether we understand all the details or not, right? Just like our kids, right? We should understand or we should obey whether we know the why or not. See, Christians, we obey anyway. Uh, this past week, I was, uh, so my kids started school and, um, and Toby's going into first grade and I realized, I was like, oh, I haven't taught my kid how to ride a bike yet, which is a little embarrassing and uh, it's just one of those things where I'm like, um, yeah, yeah, I messed up. Like, he's probably like a year too late. That probably should have happened before he went into kindergarten, I think. I don't know what the, what the age is on that. But uh, he's going into first grade, and I'm like, he doesn't know how to ride a bike. That's so embarrassing. And someday he's going to be riding his bike to school. You know, like, like you know, who am I as a dad? I'm, I'm a terrible guy. And so I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, okay, Toby, hey, you need to go get your shoes. And he's like, you know, and, he, and you know, I'll... When he goes out with his mom, you know, it's like he's got to have his helmet and his knee pads. Yeah, he doesn't wear knee pads. I don't know. All this stuff. And I'm like, you don't need none of that stuff, okay? I grew up in the hood. Not really, but a neighborhood, you know? We called it the hood. That's what we called it. Um, and I'm like, dude, we fell and scraped and, you know, we did all the I knocked my head against concrete so many times and I'm okay-ish, you know? And so I'm like, hey, you'll be all right. And, uh, and so we take his bike. And we walk it over uh, to, the, to the park just down the street. And there's a parking lot there. And, uh, he's, and I'm, I'm, like, looking at the bike. And it's, it's sitting there. And, and I'm telling him, like, the, the brief overview of everything. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, okay, man, here's, here's what we, you know, just remember, Toby, you don't know how to ride a bike. I do. So listen to what I have to say, okay? And I'm telling them, I'm like, okay, you got to have like one pedal up here. And so when you get ready to start, you want to push down on that pedal while you push off with the other foot. And uh, I'm telling them about the brake, okay? You just got to pedal backwards to brake. You got to do this and you got to watch out where you're going. Always, you know, look forward. Don't look behind you, which he's prone to do. He's like, oh, look at that, you know, and then he's crashing. And I'm like, watch out for the cars because there's cars parked in this parking lot and there's some cars that go through the parking lot sometimes. And I'm like, watch out for the holes because those might mess you up. And, and you got to, it's weird because the faster you go, the easier it is to balance. And I don't understand how that works, but it's just how it is, okay? And so you can't just sit there like you have training wheels. It's not going to, you know, you're going to have to, you'll fall one way or the, or, or the other. And so I'm explaining to him all this stuff. And half the time, you know, each thing that I'm telling him, and I'm even like riding this thing around the parking lot, like my knees are like, you know, way out cause from the handlebars. It's kind of embarrassing. I look like a clown, but I'm like, I'm getting this thing done. And this will probably, I'm thinking, this will probably take me a few times this week, um, but we're getting it done this week. And so as I'm explaining all this stuff to him, he's just like, well, why? Why do I have to do that? Why is it that you go fast? Why should I go fast? You know, I don't understand that balance thing. I'm like, dude, I don't even understand that either. It's just how it is. And, and he's asking me why. And, and at some point, I'm just like, I'm like, Toby, just Trust me. Like, I don't have time to explain the physics of bike riding to you. And even if I did, he's not going to, he's a first grader, right? He's not going to understand anyway. And uh, sure enough, right, he did basically what I told him to do for the most part. And 10, 15 minutes later, he's like zipping around that parking lot in between cars where I'm like, stop doing that. You're going to scratch that guy's car. You know, and he's, he's, he's riding like a champ. And, uh, and I'm like, at the, at the end, I'm like, dude, we've got to build some ramps or something. You're like, this kid is ready, you know? 
Um, but it's interesting that the only time that the only times that he fell down was when he didn't do what I said, right? And ironically, that's how it is with us in our obedience to God. And Jesus, he he talked about this kind of stuff all. Uh, the time. One day, uh, Jesus, he's doing his public ministry. It's about three years uh, is at the end of his life when he's, when he's like teaching people and everybody wants to hear what Jesus has to say. And when Jesus was out in the public, I mean, people were coming from towns all around to hear what he has to say and to, to see what he was going to do next. And this is, uh, this, this is what was happening this day. And it's interesting, and I've said this before, is that people who were nothing like Jesus actually liked Jesus and Jesus liked them back, Right? And so oh, crowds of religious people and crowds of non-religious people are all coming to hear what Jesus has to say. And what he does during this particular talk that we're going to be talking about today is he says a lot of things that are completely countercultural. I mean, this happens to be one of his most famous talks. And what Jesus was doing is he would take everything that these people, that this crowd thought they knew, that they knew about God, and he would take that from them, and then he would flip it upside down and give it back. That's what he did and uh, let me just give you an example. And I'll read this to you kind of how, how I feel the crowd, or I'll read it to you just straight through. And uh, that's how the crowd heard it that particular day. All right, so he climbs up on this, this hill and he sits down in the grass and he just begins to teach. And he says, hey, um, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. And so the whole crowd's going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten Commandments, I got that one, Jesus. Never, um, never broke that rule. He says, but I tell you that everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And probably a few hands in the crowd are going, uh, yeah, hey, I got a question about that real quick. Uh, Jesus, uh, he says, hey, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's also in the Ten Commandments. We heard that before, Old Testament stuff. He says, but I tell you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then probably a few more hands are like, ah, Jesus, I got a question about the, so you're saying lust is like adultery in your heart. What, what are you saying? He says, hey, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw away. And they're like, do what did you say? And he's like, for it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Hey, Jesus, I got a quick question about hell that I've been wanting to ask for a long time. Hey, if your right hand causes you to sin, just cut it off and throw it away. Cut off my, my hand? What is he talking about? For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Hey, Jesus, this is the second time you mentioned hell. I still got my hell question. Could you answer my question? Hey, it is... It was also said that whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. Okay, yeah, that's, Moses told us to do that um, back in the Old Testament. He says, but I tell you, and probably at this point, everybody who's sitting there probably like, okay, Jesus, um, whenever you say, but I tell you, it's like the standard of living goes way up. And that's hard. And we don't necessarily like that. And so I got some divorce questions. I've been divorced. I've been, I've been dealing with this. And he's like, so, so just be careful what you do before you say this. And Jesus says, but I tell you that everyone who divorces his wife except for, or except in the case of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman, also that guy commits, commits adultery. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors that you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. Here we go again. But I tell you, don't even take an oath or don't make a promise at all, either by heaven, because that's God's throne. I mean, here's all these people, and they're probably listening to this as they're sitting down on the grass, and Jesus is up on this hill talking to them, and they're just like, 
I, this sounds pretty extreme. <laughs> All right, what is he saying? What is going like, okay, I'm lost. Like so far I've lost my hand, I've lost my eye, and uh, now I'm an adulterer and I hate my brother, and so that's like committing murder, and, and, uh, and there's something about an oath in there. I don't quite remember what I was supposed to do with that. Like I guess I can't be a Christian. You know, like I don't know if I can do that. It's pretty extreme. Like everybody's probably a little confused and a little worried saying, how can I live up to that standard? And by the way, when Jesus is talking about cutting off the hand and cutting off the eye, what he's actually talking about is obedience. And he's just trying to get people to understand in an extreme way. He's like, hey, man, um, it's better that you obey me. And if you can't obey me, if your eye's causing you to disobey me, it's better that you just pull that thing right out. Ah, I don't even want to think about that, you know. He's saying, he's saying that's the extreme. It'd be better for you to go live life without an eye than to go to hell because you refuse to give up this thing in your life and you disobey me. You know, that's what he's saying. And so everybody's a little worried and everybody's just like, I don't know what to do with all this. And Jesus, he talks about a whole bunch of things which we're not getting into. And by the way, I would encourage you to go read it for yourself. It's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's not that long. And uh, just read what Jesus has to say there. And Jesus, at the end of his talk, we'll fast forward to the end. He wraps up his talk talking about specifically obedience, and he looks at the crowd, and sometimes I, I feel like, you know, it's almost like I feel Jesus' sigh in this. Like, he looks out over this big crowd, and he's just like, you know, and this is the question that he asks, and this is the question I want us to ask ourselves here this morning. He says, why? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things that I say? That's a good question. I don't think there's anybody raising their hand after that question. I think everybody's just like, I think you could hear the birds chirping and the crickets cricking, and it's just like, okay, and I don't know what to do with that. Um, imagine how it would be in the crowd. Like, how do you answer that? Like, what, what, what do you do here? Like, think about that today. All right, think about that question today. How do you answer that question right here, right now, for your own personal self? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things that I say? Like, think about that. What if, um, let's say you had lunch scheduled with Jesus Tuesday, okay? It's on your calendar. It's all good to go. You're going to go to that lunch because it's God, right? I mean, you just that's not one that you're going to call up and say, hey, by the way, I can't make it today. No, you're going to be there. And let's say you go, uh, to, you, you go to lunch and you get to meet Jesus and it's going to be awesome. And uh, he, and, you know, you could ask him anything you want. You got like a good hour and you're like, man, I got, you got like a list of stuff. You're like, I'm gonna, we're going to go through these subjects. I want to get it all done and get, get all, this, all these questions answered for me. And he just starts off and he's just like, hey, Zach, I, before we get going, um, why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? Like, why do you sing songs to me on Sundays, but you live like the world during the week? Like, why, why, why do you do that? Like, what would be your answer? Like, that's a hard question, <laughs> you know? That, and that's a, that's a hard that's a hard to answer. By the way, not because there's no answers out there. I think there's a bunch of reasons. I think there's many, 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 many reasons to why we don't obey. It's a hard question to answer because it's true, right? I mean, that's what makes this awkward. We claim to be Christians, but we generally ignore how God tells us to live 
our life. Uh, a few days ago, I was talking to a guy who goes to church here, and, um, and he was just like, hey, uh, you know, I think, I don't know 100% if I've given my life over to Jesus, and I'm ready to make that commitment, like, here today, like, like, like I'm ready. And, um, and I'm like, hey, man, that's awesome. Really, really good to hear. Um, but, uh, you know, part of that will be changing the way that you live your life, okay? And we've talked many times about how... Um, you know, the way that he's living his life is the exact opposite of what God has called him to do. And so when he hears that, he's just like, oh, uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And I'm just like, what? Like, you don't truly want to give your life to Jesus if you're totally cool with blatantly disobeying him. Like, what are you doing when we do that? Like, we're choosing ourselves over Jesus. We're choosing our ways over his ways. And so many times what we do, and this is just so dumb. Like, think about it. We all do this to a certain extent, is that we live the exact opposite of the way that God tells us to live our life in certain areas of our life. Like, maybe it's our career. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's our relationships. Maybe it's our marriage. Maybe it's, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. And then we expect God to bless that area of our life. Like, think about that. That's just dumb. You know, let's just call it what it is. That's just dumb. This doesn't work that way. It's like we, we hear, we come to church or we read our Bibles, which is what we should be doing, and we hear about how God wants us to do like marriage, for example, okay? And we're like, okay, this is what I as a husband need to do, and this is what me as the wife need to do. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and, uh, and, but we're just like, but I don't want to do that. And so we decide, hey, God, I know what you have said for me to do, but actually I'm going to go ahead and do it this way. I think my way is pretty good too. And then it doesn't work out the way that we want it to in our marriage fails, and then what do we do? We actually look back at God, and we're like, hey, God, what's going on here? Why is my marriage not failing, or why is my marriage failing? Why aren't you blessing this relationship that's super important to me in my life? Well, duh, it's because you're not doing it the way he called you to do it. He's already told you. See, I don't think you can have a real relationship with God if you're just cool with disobedience. Now, every single one of us, we all slip up, Right? I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years or, you know, whatever, 60 years. Um, we all slip up because none of us are perfect. And, like we all, and if you're a Christian, by the way, you've felt this. Like there's this battle going on inside of you where it's like you want to do one thing, but then you know you shouldn't. And, and it's just like this, this war raging like inside of you. And, um, but we shouldn't be okay with disobedience. Like, yeah, we're going to mess up once in a while, and that's going to be a problem. And, uh, and we're going to slip up, but we shouldn't be okay with that. Right? Like that should bother us at some point. There's something that just doesn't sit well with us when we realize what we've done. See, that's the point that Jesus here is trying to make. Jesus is trying to bring the people, he's bringing the people to a point where they have to answer that question. Saying, hey, why do you call yourselves a Christian but you don't do what I say? And everybody's just sitting there in the grass and they're just like, uh, I don't know. And then Jesus goes on to explain in the next verse. He says, uh, let me put it this way. He says, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me. Here's my words and acts on them. He's like, I'll just show you. It's kind of like this. I'll show you what it's like if someone comes to me, they hear what I have to say, and, uh, and they, they choose to obey. Okay? That guy is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. All right? So this guy, he digs down. All right? He lays a foundation um, on what, what Jesus says is on the rock. And uh, it doesn't take a genius to understand the foundation is the most important part of any structure. Like, we all know this. That's why your foundation in your house is not wood, 
okay? The walls are wood, most likely. The foundation is not wood. Uh, those are like something stronger, like, like block. And so um, we all understand this. I mean, we've known this since we were kids playing Jenga. You know what I'm talking about? You got the little tower thing. You're pulling things out. You're making the tower you're making the tower taller, but you're also making the foundation weaker all at the same time. And eventually, what happens? It all collapses, right? And so we understand how that works. And so Jesus is saying, hey, what you need to do is obey my words. You need to build your life on a foundation of obedience to me. Hearing what I have to say, but then go and do it. See, some of us, let's be honest, um, Actually, there's kind of two, two extremes to this. Number one, some of us, we, uh, like we study the Bible, and we're all about the Bible. We, we could quote Bible verses, and we sing the Bible songs. You know, we do all that stuff, but we don't do what he says. And it's, Jesus is like, that's like worthless, I'm just saying, all right? If you're not going to do what I say, then, then who cares, you know? And then others of us, we like want to follow Jesus to a certain extent, and we're good with that, but we just don't know what he says because we don't care enough to read it. Right? And we just, don't, we just don't care enough. We don't make it a priority in our life to read this book, his words to us. By the way, not doing what God wants you to do simply because you don't know what he wants you to do is still disobedience. Unfortunately, that's how it works. And so this guy, he hears what Jesus says, and he builds his life around Jesus' words. Okay? And uh, Jesus calls that, it's a strong house. And he says, and when the flood came. Now, notice, all right, like, like for me, uh, Matthew, let me say this. Matthew, real quick, uh, he also records the story that Jesus tells us in. And Matthew says, actually, Jesus is referring here to a storm, okay, where the flood waters come up, this huge storm. And so we could kind of picture that. And what I wish it said here was, hey, if you obey Jesus and you build a house on solid rock and you build that, like, Sturdy foundation on his words. It doesn't rain. You know, it doesn't rain when the house is built on the rock. So you don't even have to worry about that, but that's how you need to build your house. That's not what it says. Do you notice that? All right, it says, when the flood came. Here's Jesus. He's saying, hey, the flood is coming. All right, you're not like, you're not exempt from the storm now. All right, the storm still comes, meaning problems still come up in our life. Life doesn't go the way that we plan or the way that we want it to, and bad things still happen. Now, that's not how we think normally. You know, a lot of us as Christians, we think, we're like, hey, you know, we have this sense of almost like entitlement or like God owes us. We're like, hey, I built my life around you, Jesus, and so now you owe me. Okay, like I did. I obeyed you. God, now you owe me. Like I'm generous, just like you tell me to be generous, and so you need to give me a raise. Or I study, like, you know, like you Tell me, you know, I should, I should care about my grades and stuff like that. And so you owe me an A on my exam. Or I raised my kids right, just like you told me to. And so you owe me um, kids that uh, aren't going to have any problems in their life. Or, or I'm nice to people, and so I should have a lot of friends. Or I work hard, and so God, you owe me that promotion at work. This is how we think. But the guy who builds his life on the rock, he experiences the same storm. He experiences the same flood as everybody else. And sometimes the storms are big. He says, because when the flood came, that river crashed against the house. Matthew says that river just beaten against this guy's house, and it couldn't shake it because it was well built. Uh, back in 2018, there was a hurricane called Hurricane Michael that uh, hit Florida, and specifically uh, Mexico Beach. And um, 
this hurricane was, was huge, and it, kinda, it just leveled kind of everything around it. And there was one house that kind of stood in the middle of this neighborhood that was just leveled to the ground. We got a picture of it right here. Um, this house is called The One That Stood. You type that into Google, you'll find it. Um, but this house was built by this guy named Russell King. And Russell King, he didn't pay attention to building codes, ironically. He paid attention to, he wanted to build his house not up to building code standard. He wanted to build his house uh, that could withstand the big storm, okay, the big one. And so um, he raised his house on stilts so he could avoid the storm surge. Uh, he drove pilings 40 feet deep into the ground, which is way deeper than, than what was required by code. He made his walls were, are made of, pure, or of poured concrete with rebar in them. And then he even had steel cabling around his house and all, all over in his house to kind of keep his house together. He wanted it to last through the biggest storm. And little did he know that just a few months later, right, less than a year later, that a big storm would come through. He built his house to withstand winds of 250 miles per hour. Code told him to, um, that he needed to build his house to withstand winds of 120 miles per hour, and the storm was about 150 miles per hour. And it just wrecks everything all around. Um, every, you know, his neighbors, their houses are just gone. This was the only livable house left. And uh, they're just like, they're just wiped off the foundation there. And this house, you know what it experienced? Two cracked windows. It's funny, you, read, you like watch his interviews and stuff, he's like kind of mad about it. Like, oh, stupid windows shouldn't have cracked. You're like, dude, your neighbors are gone. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he's just like, man, two cracked windows. Nothing on the inside had changed. The windows weren't even like broken. They were just cracked. Something hit them. See, this guy, he built his house differently. And guess what? He had a different result when the storm came. He went through the same storm. He experienced the same problems. See, that's the difference between those who build their life around Jesus and do what he says and those that don't. Right? Like, if you build your life around your career, like, this is what the world does, right? I mean, this is what the world does. We build our life around our career or finances or your marriage or your relationships or politics or whatever, you know, you might build your life around. I'm just telling you, you will fall. Like, those things just cannot stand. Like, those things will not stand. Those things cannot save you. And Jesus explains this next. He says, but the one who hears and does not act, meaning this is the guy, this dude, like, disobeys. He hears what Jesus has to say. He takes it in, and he's like, eh, I'm going to go this way. He's like, this guy is like a man who built a house on the ground. Actually, Matthew says that Jesus actually called this guy the fool, right? He built his house on the ground without a foundation. And Matthew tells us he builds it straight on the sand is what Jesus says. So this guy builds his house. He doesn't dig down deep to hit bedrock or anything like that. He just builds his house on the sand. And uh, he thinks everything's going to be all right. Now, every single person in this room, including myself, we all have the tendency to build a house without a foundation. Like we just do. We, have the ten we all have the tendency to build our lives on what Jesus would call sand, okay, not on his word. Why? Well, one, we all have a sin nature. Like, that's part of us. Like, we're, we're, we're all sinners. And, uh, but I think one of the main reasons is it's just easier. We don't have to worry about stuff. We just do whatever we want to do. Like, it's easier for us just to run after things and pursue the things that we want the things that make us happy, the things that make our lives more comfortable. You know, we think to ourselves, we're like, man, if I could just look like that, 
my life would be perfect, or if I, oh, I could just have that house, or if I could just drive that car, if I could just get that position at work, or if I could just have that title, or if I could just achieve that status, or if I could just gain that popularity, you know, wherever, that's what I need. If I could just do that, my life would be good. I mean, for a lot of us, think about it. We, we pull up our bank app on our phone, and depending what number shows up on their screen, that's, that's what decides if we're, you know, if we're happier or have joy or not, right? That's what decides if we feel good about ourselves or not. I mean, it's just dumb. We build our life on sand. We build our life on no foundation, and then we expect those things to save us. We expect money to save us. We expect money to protect us. We expect our job. We expect uh, our marriage, our relationships. But here, God tells us over and over and over again. He says, hey, you're building a life on any... Building a life on around anything other than me is what Jesus says. He's like, it's just completely meaningless. I mean, have you ever played a game of Monopoly like all the way through without killing each other? Have you ever done that? All right, probably few of us. Um, what do you do at the end of the game? Like, what's the winner do? Collects all the properties and he, he or she, okay, that person gets all the money, you know, they have all the stuff and everybody else went bankrupt and what do they do? You take it all, you gather it all up, and you put it in the box. Right? It's meaningless. That's what this guy does. He ignores God. He builds his life around what he wants. He builds his life the easy way, and he expects his life to stand when the storm comes. He says, in the river crash, same storm, against it. And immediately, it collapsed. It wasn't like a slow thing where it was just like, oh, it's getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Oh, we lost this. Oh, there's a cracked window. Oh, okay. No, no. It's like it immediately it collapsed. It has no foundation. It's not dug in deep. And its destruction of that house, Jesus says, was great. I mean, it is just gone. His life falls apart. By the way, notice that before the storm comes and before the rain, you cannot tell the difference between the houses. You cannot tell the difference. It's all stuff that you cannot see. Both of these guys are guys that would... And nowadays, go to church. And both of these guys have read the Bible. I mean, they all, both of these guys have heard God's words. I mean, they know what God says. Both have the same information. It's just that one guy, uh, he uses the information, and the other guy ignores the information. One guy obeys the information, and the other guy says, eh, I'm going to do it my way. See, hearing God's words, and we get God's words here in the Bible, okay, that's, this is the foundation of our life right here. Hearing God's words but not doing anything about it is just completely useless. It's like... It's like sunscreen, okay? You can understand sunscreen, believe in sunscreen, even have sunscreen. You can believe in it. You can know all about it. But if you don't use it, you're going to get burned, right? Not using it makes it worthless. Like you can put on, on the front all you want. Hey, I'm all good with Jesus. Look at me. Look how good of a person I am. And that works temporarily. Like it works until the storm comes. In fact, it's the storm that reveals your foundation. It's the storm that reveals how you, like how you handle or react to the storm in your life. That reveals where you have put your trust. That reveals how you have built your house, how you have built your life. And so the crowd, and this is it. That's the end. End of the talk. And the crowd, they're just sitting there, and they're just like, um, okay. I don't know what to do with that exactly. And Matthew tells us, this is when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. They're just like, that's something to think about. <laughs> I don't know what to think about all that. And, 
And, you know, and it's just back to, you know, they're probably thinking back to Jesus' question that he's, he's ending with here is, why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? And that's the question I just want us to think about here tonight. Why do you do that? That's the question I'm thinking about, my, you know, to myself this week. I'm just like, why, why do I do that? What's the deal with that? You know, like, uh, like, like and, and some of you guys, I know you're, you're probably thinking, you're just like, you know what, I, okay, I, I believe this. Like, I disobey God all the time, and we all do to a certain extent. But I disobey God. Some of us were thinking, I disobey God, and I'm, like, cool with it. Like, I, it just doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't bother me that much. Number one, you need to give your life over to Jesus, okay, because it should bother you deep inside. If it doesn't bother you, that's, like, number one, like, red flag just to say, hey, you haven't made that decision in your life. You're holding on to this stuff. Stop holding on to these certain areas of your life and just give them over. It's easier. Hand it over to him. Some of you guys, you've, I mean, you've given your life over to Jesus, but you haven't really progressed much. You know what the Bible says the first thing to do, like the first act of obedience is a Christian should be? Baptism. Ironically, we're having baptism next week. <laughs> Conveniently. That's what the Bible says. It's like, hey, you get saved? It's like, okay, time to get baptized. And by the way, the word baptized literally means submerged, okay? That's why we don't do sprinkling, um, that, you know, because that, that's, that's not what it means. I don't get why we, we as Christians, like, change these things up. Like, I don't get why we just don't obey, you know? Just do it the way God has told us to do it. Why do we got to change things? And, and so I would argue that if you haven't been baptized, meaning underwater, submerged, after you started a relationship with Jesus... It's also why we don't baptize babies, because they haven't made that decision yet. Then you should do that, it's publicly declaring your faith. And I get, you know, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, why did God pick that? Like, it's kind of weird, right? Like, you're going underwater and stuff, but it's just like, sometimes I ask why, and it's just like, but we don't have to know the why. <laughs> we just need to obey. And we just need to do what God has called us to do. We don't need an exclamation from God. We don't need, God doesn't owe us the why. And some of our excuses of, well, I don't want to get in front of people, or I don't want to get wet, or what about my hair? You know, all this stuff. Like, we're not judging you here, okay? Just obey. That's, some of you guys, that's your first step. And if you want to do that next week, we'll do that next week. Sign up at the information center before you leave. Call into the church office um, tomorrow or Tuesday or sometime early, and we, we'll get this set for you. It's simply obedience. But for the rest of us, we as Christians, man, we need to obey in all areas of our life. And it is not natural for us to do that. And Jesus is saying, he's saying, hey, you need to obey in every area of your life, and, and you don't always need to know the why. And so, you know, we just owe it to him because he saved us. But the point that Jesus even points out, he's just saying, hey, by the way, you need to remember the storm is coming. Like, the flood is coming regardless, and that's going to reveal where you're at with him. That's going to reveal where you've built your foundation. Is it on him or is it on your own stuff? We as Christians need to obey. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these words, and this is something we just need to remember, and, you know, we just need to be reminded about and hear over and over and over again. God... It's so easy for us 
to ignore your words and to, and to not obey. And God, we ask that you would help us, especially throughout this next week, to, uh, to live life the way that you have called us to live. And God, we thank you for loving us and thank you for caring about us. We thank you for coming 2,000 years ago and teaching us stuff like this. You didn't have to and you definitely didn't owe it to us. Lord, we ask you in Jesus' name, amen.